Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Rewrite the Mother Code with me, your host, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. Before we hop in with our guest, Heidi Fiedler, today, I just wanted to share some things, just update a little bit what's happening in my life because it coincides with Heidi because Heidi is a editor and book coach and coaches writers. She has mainly been in the children's book field, but I think it's starting to branch out. She reached out to me. I found an immediate connection and I'm like, yes, of course, I would love to have you on my podcast. But it happens to fall talking to her while I'm in the midst of, as you know, I'm writing a book, Rewrite the Mother Code. That title could change, but probably not. And there's so many aspects. I'm learning so much about it's a whole nother world. It's like, I feel like you just kind of think like, oh, you write your book and then, I don't know, you figure out publishing. And I know there's, I've been around it enough to know book launches are like a ginormous effort. Or But now that I'm in it like fully myself, gosh, it's it's just stirring up so much for me around making discerned choices. As I keep exploring and stepping in new opportunities or new ways to approach the writing of my book, but particularly the publishing and marketing of it, that so many ways this can happen. And I find myself feeling like, you know, that that young woman who is thinking about having a baby or is pregnant and there's so many options and it's a little overwhelming and I kind of just want someone to tell me what to do. What's the best way? Just give me the answer and I'll do it. And I am very clear in my mind. It's like, okay, well, I think you would not be in integrity with yourself if you do that. So let's get more mindful about it. So as much as I'm letting myself be drawn to certain people to work with and feel I kind of more initially and stronger initially feel like gut senses and my intuition. And I just kind of want to go with that. But I am doing some due diligence and asking hard questions and going into more uncomfortable territory as I'm in this process. And it's enlivening. It's scary. It's a little overwhelming, but uh, I'm I'm glad to be doing it. And it's been definitely very fruitful for my learning and growing. So all that being said, I am excited to bring you into the space with Heidi Fiedler. And I'll share more when we open it about who she is and, and what she does. So I hope uh, you get as much and enjoy it as much as uh, I know you will. Okay, enjoy. Well, here we are. I'm so excited to really now be here with Heidi Fiedler. I've shared a little bit about you already in my intro prior to this. So welcome, first of all, before I go into that. uh, Welcome, (laughs) Heidi. So great to have you. Really wonderful. 
Yeah. So I, Heidi and I have chatted before and I'm really inspired and can't, I'm looking forward to our conversation together around her and her mothering journey and how she's weaving that into her work. Anyway, let me just tell you a little bit about her and then she's going to jump in and share even more of the good stuff. Writer and editor Heidi Fiedler has worked on hundreds of children's books for clients ranging from Chronicle to Bravery Magazine. She teaches master classes and coaches writers so they can move forward with confidence and ease. She lives in Massachusetts with her husband, mother, and son. Okay. Well, that's beautiful as it is. Heidi, and I know there's even more richness and you didn't come to do it, be doing these things out of nowhere. So I think sharing each other's journeys and how we got to be, you know, where we are in this moment, but along the way. So I'd love to have you just dive in and share about yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a writer, editor. I went freelance when we moved to Massachusetts, maybe seven, eight years ago. And that felt like a really big identity shift for me. That was a big jump to move from being in-house to freelance. And then we adopted our son six years ago. He just turned six. Yeah. Um, and that was a huge shift for us, of course. And then my mom moved out from California to Massachusetts about a year ago. And we all bought a house together in this last year. So we are in like big, giant <laughs> glacier-sized shifts. <laughs> no kidding. There's so many aspects of that. You shifting careers, you know, you and your husband deciding to adopt a son or adopt, and then you now have your son six years. So happy birthday to him. You said he just turned Thank six. You, yeah. So that's wonderful. And then having a mom join the household. So those are all really big and ra- and ripe with codes, right? How this is supposed to be done, how we choose to do it. And I'm wondering if in any of these junctures, you're willing to share, how did you navigate some of these choices to make these decisions and kind of be in this space now? And then and then I'm sure you're navigating a lot in the moment, but leading up to it. I have always had a keen sense of like what it is you're supposed to do or had like a sense of like, here's some check marks or here's some boxes you want to check off and succeeding at that task, basically. There's just so, so much beyond that, you know, like even if you fill in those. And I'm assuming you mean checkboxes like I got married. Yeah. I had a career or, you know, I went to college and yeah. And like like that, like with freelance life, like what does it mean to be a successful freelancer? I have a sense of, you know, setting your own hours and making a certain Mm. income or working with a certain level of clients, all those things, you know, sure. But, or like with being a mother, like, Maybe it wasn't checkboxes, you know, accomplishments, but more like, oh, what if this was my ideal world? Like, what would my child be like? I think our son is very similar to what I would have envisioned. He's really curious. He loves being in nature. He loves experimenting with different toys and doing things that no one expected him to do. But there's so much detail that I couldn't have filled in between oh yeah, the thing I envisioned happened or I did the thing I set out to do. But like what that means in reality is so, so, so much richer and more complex. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe on the surface it appears like, yeah, check, check, check. You met these goals or you have fulfilled this vision in some way. Yeah, 
and it's not that it's not satisfying or it's not the vision that I had or whatever, but just that I'm still like astonished how much more there is to it, how much more detail there is, how much more contradiction there is in all those pieces. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. The the nuances are, yeah, the what, how we think it's going to go, even if it's the how we think it's going to go in our mindset, not even impacted by what other people think or said or should, that there's a lot to reckon with, right? Because it never is going to turn out. Sometimes it's better, you know, than we even imagine. But I think wrestling with like, wow, there's, but you're also, and I don't know if this is what you're saying, so you can please feel free to say like, no, that wasn't exactly it. But something I think I'm hearing and what you're saying is there's so much more richness and there's so many, there's like all this I didn't imagine. And these layers and something about present moment experiences I'm starting to hear from this that are both surprising, delightful, sometimes maybe not, but they're there. And I I feel like that's somewhat of what you're naming. I feel like I should have a better imagination maybe. Like like Mm -hmm. I've had a failure of imagination to understand what was possible or what was coming. Like if I try and look into the future and think like in 20 years, what does my life look like? I mean, I think it might look the way I imagined, but I still, even knowing this idea, like I cannot fill in the gaps, you know, there's just Mm -hmm. no way. And, and some of it is like a pleasure and a joy to feel like surprised by life. And wow, you're just deep in it. Mm -hmm. But also some of it is like overwhelmed, like trying to swallow so much in that time is a lot. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. I think it's kind of the delight of somewhat of the, when we can open ourselves to it, right? When we can open ourselves to the unknown of life, right? And we can make all the plans in the world and then boom, you know, like this happens or that happens, right? I think you told me in our conversation, you know, your husband got offered a job that took you to Massachusetts like that it's not like in your future vision, you said, I want to live in Massachusetts someday, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, we probably had some vision of he wanted a job in academia and I wanted some flexibility in my job. Yeah. And he knew, you know, probably from a young age, like he wanted to be a scientist of some kind. And I knew I wanted to be a writer or something creative in some yeah. way, you know, and we just had no idea what that would actually look like. <laughs> Oh, exactly. And then to be open to what that exactly is and taking the steps toward this, and I'm going to call it, some of them are goals, like I might have a goal to be a writer or editor, but then I have this vision of how I want to feel about it, what I want it to be, how I want us to be, and I, w- I want to express myself creatively. A goal might be to be a editor at such and such magazine or publication, but that vision never changes, right? I want to develop my creative gifts. I want to share them with the world. I want to help others create them. That's what I put more in the in the vision category. And that's what I'm hearing. And then we take steps toward creating that and life unfolds, right? Like I was sharing with somebody yesterday, you know, that I I have a my bachelor's degree is in finance and accounting. And I started out as a litigation and economic analyst, you know, in litigation consulting. I'm Never at that time did I think like, oh, I bet in later in life in my 50s, I'm going to be a life coach supporting mothers. Like, no, you know, <laughs> that never crossed never your mind. Never <laughs> crossed my mind. So I'm totally with you on that. Something, well, we didn't talk about ahead of time, but if you're open to sharing, 
I think there are a lot of codes or shoulds or whatnot about deciding to bring a child into your life in whatever way, you know, that happens. And when you mentioned you adopted your son, I'm sure that was a big journey for you and you and your husband. Are there aspects of that that you can share that maybe were both unexpected or what some of that was like? Because I know we've had a lot of people in the audience who are kind of in that question, are we, maybe we're not going to conceive naturally for some reason or another, by choice, by whatever. So adoption is, you know, something they would want to consider. Yeah. I always tell people it's not something you do casually. Like you have to really commit to the process. It Mm. took us several years. We had started when we were in California and then we had to start again when we moved to Massachusetts. And it's a commitment like time-wise, financially, emotionally, it's just Mm. a lot to go through. And anyone that's sort of been in a place of like, I don't know, I guess I'll just like stop taking the pill and see what happens. I understand that, but that is not where you're at when you're doing the adoption process. And I think it's a a process you need to go in knowing like it's inherently complicated. It's traumatic for every side of the relationship, but it's also really amazing and And I also think like when we were going through the process, and maybe this is natural, but there's just so much emphasis put on the moment when your child is born and you become a parent. And that's true, like whether you're adopting or not. I think there's a lot of attention placed on this like one moment in time. And now six years later, like I can see like that was like a tiny slice of Our journey as parents, his journey as a person in the world, it's important. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing is going to undo that this is part of our family, but he is a full person that is going to have a range of experiences and we are going to be parenting for the rest of our lives, you know, like to, mm-hmm. to kind of like, and when you're waiting, like especially and you're oh really struggling, like, of course, you're just thinking about going to the other side and being a parent. And I was definitely in that place. I wasn't thinking, oh, this is just a blip. It's just a moment in time (laughs) while I was waiting by any means. But now that I'm way deeper into it, it's like, Mm. there's just so, so, so much more to it. And I'm so glad we, we did wait and we went through this really hard process because I feel like motherhood for me opened like this whole other dimension. Like it just opened a door that I could not possibly have seen through without becoming a parent. Can you name some of what that is for you? Like any things that you like, oh, I I didn't think I'd feel this or do Mm -hmm. this or what, you know, what, how would you name some of that? Some of it I think is like how much attention I pay as a parent. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I pay this much attention to any other person or piece of my life. I'm studying my son. I'm thinking about him all the time. I'm trying to build our lives around him. And also getting to see someone go from just a kind of blob of a baby to a whole person and who they are throughout that. I mean, that's such a privilege to see them unfold and interact with the world and become who they're going to become. I love being in those little moments. My son had a bloody nose last night and like 
it's traumatic and awful for him and we're stressed out but it's also like that's the kind of stress I imagined motherhood would include mm-hmm. is sort of like some hugs and some cleaning up it's okay <laughs> you know and I feel really honored that I get to be a part of that and the silly parts and the seeing him learn a new skill all of that is so exciting <laughs> mm. gosh there were some things as you were sharing that Heidi that were that were coming up for me. And I think it was just the creative process, right? So part of the Rewrite the Mother Code framework is expanding the definition of mothering to include conceiving, creating, giving birth to children, yes, but also our careers, our relationships, our dreams, and you being in. But the most important person we need to mother is ourselves. I don't want to leave that part out because that's such a big part also. But this creative process that you're so tuned into, right? Through mainly writing, right? I don't know if if mm-hmm. visual arts is part of it too. For I you. do a little bit of painting, yeah. but okay. mainly writing, yeah. Yeah. Are there similarities that you see? Because I always like finding parallels in the things that that we do and how you mother yourself through the writing of a piece or somebody else. And any anything that you've ever noticed now that you shared this about this caring for this being and everything that it took to get him in your life. Any parallels that you've ever thought of or noticed? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. It's not something you've thought of. (laughs) No, I I think there are definitely parallels. In some ways, like I'm kind of hesitant to, like, I don't use the language of like, oh, this is my book baby. Like I've burst this book into the world because I've poured a lot of time and energy into my work, but I don't have that sense of I don't know, just full day to night life or death attachment to it. You know, like for me, mothering is very intense with my son. He has a lot of special needs. And so we are really hands on with him. There's no hanging back at the playground and watching him play or setting him down to draw something at the dinner table. And so the energy that I'm bringing to those different things is it's just different. But yeah. I do think that mothers or women in general, the things that make you a good mother, whether you're mothering yourself or you're mothering your children or whatever, they do make you a good artist. They make you Mm. creative. You need so many of the same qualities, like appreciating slowness and patience. Mm. There's just no way to rush your child growing up. And there's no way to really rush creating something that you feel really good about if you're writing something or whatever it is. And I also think, you know, there's an element of needing to push back against rules and do things in your own way that like for me, that really came out in motherhood. And I've found myself pushing back in my work too, thinking, is this really how we're going to do it? Or is this the only way to do it? And maybe that's sort of the time we're living into. I don't know. But I found myself asking a lot more like, if I was the one in charge and I was starting this from scratch, what would I want it to look like? How would I go about doing it? And oftentimes I have no answer because I'm not like a genius that has everything figured out by any means. But even giving myself that time to think about it in that way, I think is valuable. Yeah. No, I love that. I think you're naming, you know, these aspects where of course you you can never like equate them in the exact same way, but 
when you said that about, you know, women and mothers, like for me, it's owning that power, that potential, you know, when we care for something and, you know, that when things matter to us, we really pay attention and we, we want, you know, and, and I would agree there's, I don't know anything that comes up quite as strongly as it does when you're caring for a child, right? It's just, this is another being, it's a human, right? Like the, so you can't equate them, but I like making these connections and bridges so that we can all feel connected because for women who choose not to have children and choose to, you know, mother in these other arenas, they won't have that experience, but we can still, it's a place I think we can bridge more than we have, right? It's not like, oh, you don't have a child, so you don't understand, right? Well, there's a lot we understand and a lot of reasons and ways that the different roles are important. Right, because and then you're going you're to be an aunt to somebody different than you are going to be a mother to your child, but they're both a mothering. You know, you're still mothering, but they have different experiences, different values. When you were talking about attention, too, like to me, that's a really important part of it, both with work or or with my son, but I think even with something like a flower or something like I feel very neutral about. Attention is like what makes a difference between something just being a thing that you coexist with and then being a thing that you care about, you know, that you feel attached to and you feel intimately familiar with. That's where you cross from ho hum or, you know, like I like you or you exist and I nod (laughs) to like, I love you. I care for you. I understand you. Even if I don't love every element or, you know, the hard things or whatever, It I find that that is what changes things. It's just showing up over and over, studying, paying attention, taking it in without assuming you know or are making judgments about something. And then you find yourself eventually, like I think, just in love with whatever it is you're paying attention to. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love how you're saying that. It's really beautiful and shifting gears, but still connected to what we're talking about. Cause you know, I was kind of bringing in the, the parallel around, you know, we all mother and we all create in different ways. Something, you know, that you shared that you believe in is how important it is or what the value could be to a mother to engage in her creative and a creative practice. Can you say more about that? And what do you think having a creative practice is why it's so important for mothers? Yeah. And and I would first add, like, sometimes I think that sounds like I'm saying, if you could set up an easel and paint for an hour a week or a day, then you would be a better mother or you would be a better person or something. And I mean, I think it could be much smaller than that. You know, it can be doodling. It can be making your plate feel really pretty when you're presenting mm-hmm the dinner or whatever, you know, it can be a big variety of things that I would consider creative moments. But I think those moments are a chance to pay attention to your own thoughts and feelings and your vision and your wisdom and your experience, and then to express it in some ways. And sometimes it's not even that big. It's just a doodle is not about like expressing your deepest feelings or anything like that, but it's taking your own self seriously enough to like enjoy that moment or to see what happens if you put two things together in a new way like and I think for me at least that's really 
grounding and energizing. And often I think, you know, we, we hear like, oh, have a creative practice. And it sounds like I don't have time for that. I don't have energy for that. But if you can find those tiny moments and you realize like, I'm actually doing that more than I thought I was, I find it's more energizing. Like when I don't have those moments, it's really heavy and draining mm. and I don't feel like myself. I feel cranky and, you know, yeah. not me. And when I do have a little more time or I just appreciate, slow down, have those moments a little more frequently, it just feels like this is something that's all mine and I can do what I want with it. And I like it, you know, like it just makes you happy. Yeah. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Oh, there's so much in what you're saying. I think it's uh, beautiful because yes, I think this is an important part in the uh, most important person we need to mother is ourselves aspect. And there's a whole range of ways we can do that. And I, I think it's a code that's wired in, like, I don't know, 
that we adopt so easily. Oh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. But I think underneath the, I don't have time for that is no, in our culture, you shouldn't take time because the most important person isn't you, it's your child or your spouse or what you're working on. And that takes precedent overall. And while there's truth, obviously, in focusing and spending and caring, I think it's kind of written in there like, well, I, it's not just I can't, I shouldn't take that time. And it's selfish and all those codes that we want to rewrite. But you said something else that I thought was so beautiful is it's about shifting our mindset. It's about having you know, I think we live in a very like do get it done linear check to do list and an account where when you're talking about doodling or it could be humming a song, you know, there's something I'm going to just very generally say more right brain, right? Without going into detail on that, but it is letting go for moments at a time of the staticness of a, of a computer, but you can play on your computer too. It's just giving it a different, and I think it gives our mind somewhere else to go. It frees it. And I, when you say, if I don't, I find if I don't do it, I get cranky. And I think we do because we need to honor and give space to that. And I also loved, very much love what you said about the doodling, but then you said, or making a plate beautiful and how undervalued those things can be in our culture. And a beautiful plate matters. It doesn't mean we have to do it every time, but appreciating it and understanding, you know, the power of that, of that beauty uh, is so nourishing. And we're just really ripping ourselves off when we don't, you know, value those aspects. And that's what I think you're calling us to is why it can be important, you know, nourishing and valuable, right? And I don't think we're used to valuing those things the way we are. Yeah. And I mean, if you need a bigger reason, I think taking those small moments, they're like amazing on their own. And and as you say, like, I think nourishing is the right word, but also that's how you move towards making something bigger too. Like you have to start here, here. in a small place where you're tuning into your own vision, your own voice. You're thinking, hmm, what would I do if I moved this you know, if I was making this, what would I do? And would I move this over here? And what happens if I try this? That is how you build towards creating an installation piece or a sculpture garden or a like a, a gallery exhibit. And you don't have to do those things. But if you want to do anything like that, like you, you need those other moments as part of your life. And I think those moments should honestly be a part of everyone's life. I think everyone benefits from that. But if you are feeling called to do something creative, but you feel stuck and you just don't know how to get started or you feel like I don't have the skills or the tools to move in that direction, you honestly probably are doing more than you realize. And yeah. building off of that can be really, it can help you build momentum and confidence, sure. all of that. That's beautiful. Well, and then I know this is something you believe, but I'd love to hear you know, and have you share and express it. So why does the world need mothers to make more art? <laughs> I think <laughs> the world needs mothers to make more art because mothers have so many meaningful experiences that they have digested and that they need to share with the world. And there's some saying like, if the 
world was run by grandmothers, it would be a better place. And the reason is because grandmothers are wise and they have survived so yeah. much. They're not going to go sending people into war or doing, you know what I mean? Like they just don't, don't have time or energy or interest in any of that. And I think mothers are deep in it. They are celebrating new generations, new ways of doing things. They're trying new ways of doing things. They have people that have lost children, like they're grieving. There are mothers that are feeling, you know, abandoned because they don't have enough help in their lives. There are women that have developed a new form of family or just so many different experiences that like the world needs to hear about. Yeah. And it could be small stuff too. I mean, those sound like big political shifts or whatever that sure. make art about, but it can just be like, hey, this is my experience. I'm a real person. Have you ever felt this too? I think like there would be so much connection and just like sense of, I don't know, exhaling like, oh yeah, I also feel this way. Yeah. It's so invisible right now. Like so many women are doing so much work and also learning and growing and having good ideas that they don't have anywhere to share or know how or where or think that they're that important important enough to share. Exactly. And they are. And that's what I I hear your rally rallying for. <laughs> like, no, what you're doing is important and then expressing it and sharing it. And you're, you know, you're using the word art, but in a creative way it, that could be writing, speaking, visual arts, so many ways to have that. And it might just be with your mom group that you get together with. And maybe we all like write a poem and then we get to be up against all the thoughts. Of, I don't write poetry. You know, I've been very much in this. I love speaking to you because I'd say the last couple of years, you know, and I've had coaching or different people say like, you're an artist, you're artistic. I'm like, no, I'm not. It's like, I can't draw. I can't this can't, you know, like we, we're just so oh, write a poem. <gasps> it just like strikes fear in my heart, but I've been giving myself more space to not have it be a Pulitzer prize you know, poem that I just came up with, but it matter. It, it expresses something for me, you know, and getting watercolor paints. And I'm like, this is fun. Why am I denying myself of this? And then to actually have someone say like, that's, that's good. I like that. I'm like, what? You know, but I'm seeing it as this ex a way to express myself that I haven't before because I was believing, I don't know. And I think this is something we instill in children that I would love to squash is, you know, making mistakes isn't okay, you know, as you learn, but that there's, you know, some standard and that unless you're already at that standard or you're just naturally gifted and talented at that, don't bother. And I think what you're reminding me and inviting us all to is like, no, do bother and do play. And all of a sudden, when I said that about the mom's group, I'm like, yeah, the mom's group should, it's wonderful to get together and talk and just like share, but you know, the kids are playing or whatever. Well, why don't we parallel play? Why don't we draw? Why don't we express and get into that. And, and we can do that directly with our children. So we're not living through them. We're doing it ourselves. So I just added that on as another right. aspect. And when you're talking but, about the poetry, like to me, a lot of times if I write a poem, it's because I feel like I have an idea or some feeling that I cannot articulate. There's nothing that I can say, oh, this is anger or this is self-doubt or whatever. It doesn't fit any of those things or it feels like a circular vague idea that, you know, it doesn't suit mm. an essay or whatever. And to me, like a poem is a chance to kind of like 
not even think about it because it to me it's a little less conscious than that but just be exploring an idea yeah and then realize like get some clarity through that process and like I think there's so much value in doing things that you have no like attachment to you know like I wouldn't say I have no attachment to painting but for me like the experience of painting is like so easy and joyful and exciting. I always come away feeling energized and like I'll often like go to bed that night thinking, oh, I know what I want to paint next. Mm. Writing is a lot more like tied to my own identity. I feel a lot more like this is my career. I got to figure <laughs> this out kind of oh stuff. Gosh, you know? yeah. <laughs> so if you know you are interested in flower arranging or fashion or whatever, I think so easy for those things to feel frivolous or like just for someone else, not for you. Mm. But you can enjoy them in your own way, I think, and yeah. find real value in that. Here, here. And and I, I love everything from the idea of giving yourself some time and space to immerse in it, right? And that has a lot of unwritten rules like, oh, I I can't take an hour or or go take a art class because of blah, blah, blah. So we have that to contend with, but gosh, what a gift when we do, right? What a gift to ourself. And that's reminding us that we matter, our creativity. My family is going to be way better off if I follow this yearning to express myself creatively in some way and take a class or just go off on my own for an hour to paint or write. And at the same time, doodling, making your plate pretty, you know, setting up cutting some flowers and making them look pretty the way you like them, all of that, the whole range matters and all it's all going to have an p- impact. And I I think you have ideas about, you know, and we've been sharing how that this is a value that I, I believe is sorely needed to be highlighted much, much more and, and valued more, but for a, a vision for a better world. And I, we've kind of, I think, been saying it, but maybe there's more that you can underline or or uh, broaden for us. Yeah, this is something like I feel like has kind of been something I've been thinking about for the last few years. It's not like I've been moving in this direction forever, but at least in my world where a lot of times I'm working on picture books, a book might seem silly. If you read it enough times as you do with a child, you start to think like, well, if this book is about something, what is it about? And Mm. A lot of times, like, I'm thinking particularly of Julia Donaldson. She has these really silly, weird picture books. And when you read them, like, the first several times, you're thinking, this is just like a fun, silly world. But as you look at her whole body of work, you start to think, these books have to reflect her values to some degree. Like, Mm -hmm. and if she has her values are reflected in these books, there are things like, be kind to others, and it's okay to be different. Those kind of things. But she's showing them in this really imaginative, interesting way. And you wouldn't, that's not beating you over the head by any means in those books. And so for me, I've been thinking a lot about like, what are my values Mm -hmm. and how do I want to put that into my work, weave it in, subtly or not. And I think when you can create from that place, it feels meaningful and satisfying no matter what happens with the thing that you created. I think so often we kind of jump ahead to like, well, am I going to share this with anyone? What's going to happen? Like, is someone going to buy it or not buy it? Is it worth doing if whatever doesn't happen? And that so much of that is out of our control 
anyways, whether you're a professional creative or not. And if you can feel like you are creating something that means something to you personally, I think you can let some of that other stuff go a little more easily. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's so well said and, and important, right? Really important that we're thoughtful about what we're putting out and that let's be thoughtful about the values that are going in this children's book or this, or once I write it, like, what are the values here? And are they the ones I want to put out in the world? Because they will get picked up on whether it's, I'm going to say more subliminal or not so overt, but they're in here. I love that. I think it's really beautiful. Are there, when you work with authors is since you've become a mom of a child, you know, raising your son, has your work and how you work with clients changed as a result of that, would you say, in any way? I don't know if it's changed from being a mother. I think it's changed because I am a writer too. I think that brings me a lot of, I bring a lot of compassion to my role as an editor then because I know yeah. I know they're doing the best they can. And I know right. they're like, if I knew the answer to this, I would just do it, you know? So I think it makes me appreciate and enjoy the creative process more. And I love collaborating and just like brainstorming ideas. And I think I probably deliver my feedback with a gentle understanding uh, tone and a real like, we'll figure this out kind of a tone. Right. So I, I think that part might be different. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I would love people to be able to find you and both the books you've written, ones you've supported. I'm going to have you share that, but I may also ask for you to send me if there are any that are your favorites in the children's book arena. Just some recommendations I think would be really fun to have in the show notes. Oh, but in the meantime, idea. just getting having access to you and finding you, what's the best way for people to do that? Yeah, I'm always at helloheidifiedler.com. And I think in the show notes, we're going to include a link to Seven Days of Inspiration, which is mm-hmm. a really beautiful ebook. And it just gives you like one small, tiny thing you can do each day to feel a little more creative, find your vision, find your voice in really small ways. And by the end of the week, I think people will feel a little energized, a little more hopeful about their creative lives. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. What a gift. So my last question that I ask all my guests, I love every answer I've ever gotten, and I know this will be the same. What does rewrite the mother code mean to you? Me, it means reimagining what's possible. And like, I was thinking about this a little bit, just like this week was I have been a writer and an editor for 20 years, and it only occurred to me like recently that I could envision and revise and write my future to some degree. You know what I mean? In some ways, that sounds like too grand, but- Not at all. I'm still sort of absorbing the idea that I do get to decide what the rules are. I do get to decide if something's working or not working, and- there's so much out of our control. That's not to say like, I just need to write a clearer vision or anything like that. But just the idea that what I think and what I want to see come to fruition 
matters and is possible is like that feels really novel still to me. Oh, well, that's so well said and beautiful. And and that I think even in saying that, like, oh, is that too grand? Is is that shows how we're wired to believe that 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 we can't or kind of keep us limited or small. But no, I can like, oh, my gosh, if I can do that for the written word and books, like I bet this applies to my life. (laughs) It took me a while, but I I get it. I know. I know. It's like one of those things. Sometimes when I get those, it's like, how am I just thinking this now? This seems so obvious, but it is what it is. Right. And I'm just so happy that I actually did grasp it and think it. So I'm happy that you're, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anytime we get to these insights and epiphanies for ourselves is perfect and just the right timing, I think. Heidi, thank you so much for being here, bringing your just really beautiful spirit and essence uh, to our time together. And I look forward to seeing what books you're going to recommend and how you're rewriting your life as we go forward. I think it's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for all you do. I find it really inspiring too. Thanks, Heidi. Wow. Oh, what a delight. You know, I'm always a little nervous when I am interviewing somebody. I I don't know. We've had one conversation prior to this, but I've explored her on paper or online. But I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And her openness to dig in and her willingness to share her journey and you know her passion for how important it is that we bring forth the feminine values of creativity and you know not just this what i'm getting from it is a really important reminder and i'm have fallen off doing some of the things i had i had been doing around just doing a little bit of watercolor or writing a poem or even journaling, you know, in a more creative way. So she's inspired me to get back on that because that is such an important value to hold, right? And busting the the beliefs that we have. And I've continued to bust the ones like that I had so instilled in me. I can't sing. I can't draw. I'm not an artist. I'm not a creative writer. All the knots, right? But we'll bring in a little Carol Dweck with growth mindset and say, well, not yet. And if I chose to put a lot of time and effort into them, I could probably get pretty good. But in the meantime, I'm just going to find self-pleasure in it. Nobody ever has to see them. Nobody has to read them, but they're there for me and they're a way to engage my brain and my heart and kind of bring the bridge the two together that I think it, it isn't just a nice thing to do. It's, I don't know, I hate to say a must or a should, but we're really missing out. I miss doing this. When I haven't been, although, yeah, I created this really cool mask on Lex Vernon's retreat that that then held so much meaning. So I think that invitation is hugely important. And then to be mindful, we didn't talk about this a lot, but really being mindful that things that I am putting out into the world, whether it's through writing or sharing or speaking or just any of the work that we're doing, it's going to be infused with our values. And and to be mindful of that and to be aware that I'm I'm not just getting the spreadsheet done even that I'm going to share with people. There's a way that I do it or everything that we share and put out has some aspect of our values. That could be, and I want to name, not always our highest values. You know, what I value in this moment might be expediency and but not clarity or 
or beauty, you know, in something that I'm doing, even if it's a spreadsheet, right? But I'm there's something I'm valuing in how I how I put things out. Not to get heavy about that, but I think it's I think it's an important awareness that we all could be more I know I can always be more mindful about. So really hope you enjoyed that. And and she mentioned uh, flower arrangement and making a plate beautiful in our food. And that was something I introduced. I always like to bring new things in and play with different ways to bring creativity into my retreats. And this last time we had the wonderful floor do a flower arranging class for us. And it was so beautiful so fun and also brought up all the stuff, right? Like, oh, mine's, my arrangement's not going to be as good and blah, blah, blah. And, but we got to talk about it. We got to be in it and allow and, and you know, me to say that out loud, but then go ahead and do it. And yeah, there was a certain, at a point when I was doing it where it's like, okay, I just want to be done with this and I'm not going to overthink it and put the flowers in. And and then, so I valued some expediency. Great. But I also valued the process and valued the beauty that came about in doing that. So lots of opportunities for that. And please come join me because I'm going to be looking for more fun ways and always something a little different, although I keep some things the same. But next retreat is in September for the fall equinox. And it is September, arrives September 21st and leave beautiful Zihuatanejo on the 25th. You're welcome to stay longer. You know, the accommodations are available to come before, come after, but that's technically the, the, the time frame for the retreat. All right, well, have a beautiful one and go create. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelines.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time.